and welcome to this week's edition of the Bucket List Gamers podcast. We are on episode six. I am Eddie, and I'm joined once again by my co-host, Jay. Hello. There he is. Uh, And this week we are discussing Resident Evil 4, Capcom's 2005 survival horror. And as promised in last week's show, we will also be covering the recent remake of the game, which was released last week. And we had a bit of a binge session the other day and played it for about eight hours. And hardly got anywhere on it, to be fair. It's a long old game and I'd forgotten how long it was. I think it's even longer now, isn't it? Like We'll talk about it later, but they seem to have put more into it to make it not busy work, but there's a lot more to do and explore and collect and that kind of thing. So it struck me as longer than it used to be anyway. I, I thought we'd have got a lot further into it than we actually did. Bit of value for money there, I reckon, in that game. Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. In the... 100 Games Before You Die list that we are currently working from. It is number nine in the list, so fairly high up and probably deservedly so. One of the few that's that high so far we've looked at that I think deserves the position it's in. I even go as far as to put it higher potentially, but we'll we'll probably get to that later. But it's one of those games that, for me, I didn't think Resident Evil could get better than two. And then four came out and it was... It changed the game completely, literally. It's not frozen camera angles, it's over the shoulder. And I was sceptical when it first came out, but it blew me away. And I put so many hours into that game on GameCube when it first came out and then replayed it on at least two of the other releases. Yeah, it is It is the village bike of video gaming is Resident <laughs> Evil 4 because it's been ported to pretty much every single console since its release probably a load of phones and at least one kitchen appliance i think it's been uh, ported to um, so what you're saying is what ditto is to the pokemon world resident evil 4 is to the resident evil capcom world exactly and looking through the history of resident evil 4 and capcom's dalliance with it it wasn't always going to be the case it was originally part of the capcom 5 um so they were five games that were intended by Capcom exclusively for the GameCube. Um, So you had Resident Evil 4, Beautiful Joe, PNO3, Dead Phoenix, and Killer7. Killer7, really uh, quirky game, very odd. It's an on-rails shooter that isn't an on-rails shooter. It's a really weird game, but sold quite well and was a bit culty in terms of its following. PNO3 was utter garbage. Resident Evil 4, utterly stunning game. Uh, Beautiful Joe, again, a little bit quirky, side-scrolling beat-em-up with levels, and it had sort of a cel-shaded art, and again, had a really, really strong cult following. And then you had Dead Phoenix, which didn't even get released. It just, they never just put any effort into getting it out there, because obviously the GameCube had the little mini-discs, which I'm assuming were tedious to design for, where everyone else was going through standard disc size and verging on blu-ray tech and nintendo decide to be nintendo and no we're not going to have cartridge this time we're going to have disc but it's going to be a quirky little mini disc um so i know anything sorry i was just going to say do we know anything about what the game was going to be was it how far in development did it get dead phoenix it was supposed to be an on-rail shooter like um dragoon oh yeah 
um, mm. and it, it just never got anywhere with it. And I think that's predominantly because the GameCube was pretty tedious to design for. And then, so Resident Evil was initially released as a permanent exclusive. And then someone sort of took them to one side and went, uh, do you think we ought to port it to somewhere else and not make it a console exclusive? And then Capcom reneged on their deal with uh, Nintendo. And that's apparently, the rumour is, that is apparently why Solid Snake wasn't in the Smash Brothers brawl and Smash Brothers melee because Nintendo fell out with Capcom. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense from both sides. Like, if Capcom have signed an agreement, you'd expect them to honour it. But the GameCube didn't do anywhere near as well as it should have done. I mean, I love that console, but it didn't do well, did it? It it was the Wii U to the Wii in terms of that and N64. The N64 did amazingly, and then that just... And I don't even know why it didn't do well, because it had a nice pad. It was a nice form for a console. It didn't take up too much space. I liked the mini discs as much as they probably were a nightmare to get everything onto them. And it had some good games, so I don't really know why it did as badly as it did. It, there wasn't a rational explanation for me. It just I just don't think it sold very well, did it? When It was sort of graphically inferior, I think, by that point already, wasn't it? PS2 I was going into PS3 by that point, like towards towards that point, and then the 360 was on, on the way, which was mind-blowing at the time to see the graphical jump on the 360. Whereas GameCube was... There was a lot of games where you didn't notice it wasn't as powerful, so a lot of them were like cartoony graphics and, and that kind of thing, so you wouldn't necessarily know that it was struggling to keep up with the other two. But when you got a game that was across all of them, it was... a bit obvious that it wasn't quite as good for me it never bothered me but i know some people are all about resolutions and how good things look and and that influences them i think that's probably why it struggled maybe yeah i'd I'd probably say so it is what it is really um like you say it's they were trying to compete and they were completely out of the league similar to how they are now um really with the switch because the switch is massively graphically inferior to the PS5 and the Xbox, but I think I think we're at a point now where there's only so much you can do with graphics. We are at a point now where mocap and stuff like that is cutting edge for video game, and now people are just more they're moving back more towards gameplay and and how engaging a game is. So I think that's why the Switch is doing as well as it is. I think Nintendo have realised that if they can't keep up graphically, they need a gimmick. And they did that perfectly with the Wii, because the Wii graphically was nowhere near what was out alongside it, was it? It it came out after the 360, and it wasn't as good as the 360, and same for the PS3. But it had the Wiimotes and the motion control, which like blew everybody away and it made it so that everyone could play it and it was accessible for all ages on certain games. And that's why it did so well. And I think the same can be said of the Switch in that you can take it portably, you can dock it, it's got the motion controls, it's got the classic Nintendo games that people want to play. You've got Mario's, you've got Zelda's, you've got Metroid's. It's got a good eShop, which I think helps. Speaking of, they've just turned off the Wii U and the 3DS one today, so sad day for people who enjoyed buying things on there. I I did plan on firing mine up and buying a few things, and I completely forgot, and then it got to 1 o'clock today, and I was like, oh, I've missed out there. But you didn't hear me say this, but apparently 3DSs are incredibly easy to homebrew, so 
if you have missed out on something that was on an eShop, there are ways and means. Not that I'm advocating for it. But yeah, I think that's the thing that the Switch does well. It it caters to a different audience to the PlayStation and Xbox, and it does it incredibly well. And there's a lot of fun games for it, and you can almost put it in your pocket and take it with you and play it anywhere and all that kind of thing. So I think that's what Nintendo learned from the GameCube, is they need some, if they can't keep up graphically, they need something gimmicky. And that's exactly what the Wii was. The Wii U probably would have done better than it did if they'd have given it a different name because I think most people expected it was just an upgrade or a new attachment for the Wii with the gamepad. So people saw the gamepad and went, oh, you can get a gamepad for the Wii now. When in actual fact, no, it was a completely different console. And there were some really good games for that as well. I think that was the biggest failure of them all, wasn't it? The Wii U, it didn't sell hardly at all. It was commercially considered a failure which is understandable. Part of the reason is probably the fact that the control pad thing, the tablet device that you got with it, had a horrendous battery life. So you got about three hours into a game and you were like, oh, right, move on to the next level. Oh, no, your battery's died. Um, And the fact that you needed to reinforce your foundations of your house to have one in there because they were chunky things and they weren't designed to be held for long periods. So I think that's why they've moved away to the Switch, which are really sleek, really slimlined, really lightweight devices. But to your point of Nintendo realizing that they need to need a gimmick and you know, they they don't try and compete anymore, um, it's probably what was so surprising about Resident Evil Four when they released it because it it was predominantly a Nintendo home console. The GameCube it had ninety nine percent of its games were Nintendo brand. And this was just, com- and they were all kid friendly, really, in in the long and short of it. Whereas Resident Evil was just completely left field, which I appreciate trying to broaden your demographic. But yeah, it was just odd when you've got stuff like Super Mario um, next to Leon S. Kennedy blowing Spaniards in half with a shotgun. And it was, I remember it being a shock at the time. I, I think I had a GameCube. I don't think it prompted me to go and buy one, but it probably would have done if I hadn't already got one. I think it had that level of buying. Because at the time, we were told this is the only way you're going to be able to play it. So if I'd have only had a PS2 at the time, I think it would have tempted me into going out and, and spending a fair bit of money on a GameCube just so I could. Luckily, I already had one. But yeah, it was a it was a big thing for them to get, and it looked stunning as well. It looked on par with stuff that you'd see on a PS2 on xbox and then going into even some of the games on the xbox 360 and ps3 don't look as nice as that first resident evil on gamecube do they got it it's very muddy but it's meant to be they use the limitations well it's sort of like in silent hill where they use the fog because they knew the draw distance was an issue so they incorporated the fog into the game resident evil 4 is a grubby horrible looking game but it looks brilliant in doing that if that makes sense and i think that was a masterstroke by them to get that and as you say onto one of those little discs to get a game of that length with that graphical quality onto one of those little discs was a real achievement and i spent hours on it because it was so different to everything that had come before it in in the resident evil franchise leon's always been my favorite anyway so i was glad he was sort of center stage in this game and i loved it and when we found out about the remake coming out soon we were like yeah we need to jump on that the day it comes out and we did and i don't think i was disappointed i don't know about you they've changed stuff but i wasn't disappointed yeah it, it's a it's a very worthy remake i I'd, I'd say that everything that i'd seen on youtube and and online and stuff like that said oh it's it, it's a fantastic remake it, it's the best remake we've ever had 
And I wouldn't go that far. There there have been other remakes of other games that have been far and away a lot better in terms of overall improvements and overhaul in the original gameplay. But I think Resident Evil 4 didn't need massive amounts of overhauling. I mean, it was a seminal title anyway. It was such a landmark title in 2005 because it went from Resident Evil being a fixed camera survival horror um, with tank controls to slightly tank controls, but an over-the-shoulder view which got promptly ripped off by Gears of War, Dead Space, Last of Us, God of War, the modern God of War anyway. So every single title that's been a third-person action-adventure, shooter, whatever, after Resident Evil 4 basically ripped off Resident Evil 4's riff. And, I mean, it's a shame Nintendo didn't, or Capcom hadn't sort of copyrighted it, because I think the future of gaming would have been massively different if they had. But no, the the remake's brilliant. We'll get to the stuff we don't like as much about the remake in a bit, but it's a, Resident Evil's a difficult one to cover. So I wrote an article for a website recently, and we tried to cover all the Resident Evil games, even some of the spin-offs, which was probably a bad idea, because like you say, there's there's versions for the Engage for example. It's difficult to cover everything like that, but we tried to go from Resident Evil 1 to Resident Evil 8 at the time, and then also look at Zero and Code Veronica, which technically come before but came after, and the timeline's confusing, let's put it that way. And the storylines are even more confusing than that, so if we were to go into all the Resident Evil story now, we may as well put out a five-hour special, because I still don't think we cover it all in that. But specifically 4, which we're doing it a bit out of order, because 2 in one are in the list so we're going to cover them at some point so we won't touch on their stories too much but the story of four is leon who was the main protagonist in two has been sent to and it doesn't ever get mentioned where it is does it but it's in europe somewhere and they all speak mexican spanish which doesn't make any sense and they spend pesetas which haven't been around for god knows how long now even when the game was made they've not been around for quite a while i don't think so it's a, it's a bit of a i don't know if they did that to sort of say oh this village is so far removed from everything in the world that they're still using old currency and that kind of thing so it does make sense from that aspect but it's a bit jarring when you first drop into it. Leon's been sent there to rescue the president's daughter who's been kidnapped. Doesn't expect anything too bizarre, which is strange given everything he's been through. You'd think he might have a little bit of scepticism about what might be coming, having survived a zombie outbreak and a town being nuked off the map and all that kind of thing. But no suspicions. Sends a, one of his police pals down the path to, to have a look something. He doesn't come back, so you go to look for him and that's where the game drops you in and you soon find this village is full of well you don't find out what is up with them but they're all murderous and don't take kindly to strangers and attack you on site and it just goes from there and and you have to go and try and find the president's daughter and rescue her and she's a nightmare she was a nightmare in the original she's a nightmare in the remake but we'll get to her and yeah that's the basic premise it's not the heaviest storyline in the resident evil series by far it's it's quite a basic one in comparison to a lot of the storylines, but it gets more and more complicated the more you dig into it and it starts to link back to other bits of the games. But that's the basics for four. So you're playing as Leon, you've got to get through this village, find Ashley, the president's daughter, and rescue her. That's your basic mission. But things just keep going sideways from there. 
It's a over-the-shoulder shooter, like Eddie's just said. Normally, the, the earlier games were all tank controls and fixed camera angles, so you'd run off the side of one screen, and if the camera angle flipped, you'd end up running back onto the other screen sometimes in the old games. Your controls relied on what point of view you were looking at, whereas in this one, it's all cameras just overly on shoulder. You can aim and shoot, you can run around, you can investigate things. Works far better for me. I do have a lot of nostalgia for the old tank controls in 1 and 2, but they're not they add to the element of helplessness that you feel in those games because you can't quickly run away from something. You have to pivot round and then run towards the camera or pivot and turn round a corner rather than being able to easily control it, which they changed in the remakes, in the like even the earlier remakes of 1 and 2. You could turn off tank controls and turn on improved controls. And they take a lot away from the game, I think. I didn't like it as much because you don't get that claustrophobia of, oh, I can't get away. You need that ability in 4 because these aren't shambling, shuffling zombies like in 1 and 2. They are normal people, for all intents and purposes, with axes and dynamite and Molotov cocktails and chainsaws that will chase you all over the map. So you need that fluidity in your movement and the ability to jump through windows and hide and shoot and that kind of thing. So the new controls fit the game. I think is the best way to put it. You wouldn't be able to play Resi 4 with Resi 2 controls, but likewise, when they've patched more Resi 4-ish controls into 2, it takes away a bit of that, so it is a completely different game in that regard. But that's the basics of it, and it wasn't an easy game, was it, even back then? On the medium difficulty, you will die quite a lot, and there is a bit of trial and error in it, knowing where's the best place to hide, knowing how to conserve your ammo and your health power-ups and uh, your health packs and that kind of thing. The original, sorry, there was even more trial and error because it was full of quick time events. You miss a quick time event and you get crushed by a boulder and you have to start again. And I hated that. I think it was, was it the game that introduced quick time events? No, Shenmue. Uh, this, oh. The entire Shenmue series introduced quick time events as base parts of games and we will get onto that when we discuss Shenmue because I hate quick time events. They are the world's worst introduction. Just give me a cutscene, don't give me quick time events. And that's the worst part about Resident Evil, I think, because they do it in cutscenes. So you're sat there, you're relaxed, you're watching the cutscene, this nice bit of additional story and this dialogue between characters and it'll just flash up a quick time event and if you miss it, you die. But yeah, to your point of the controls suit the game because the initial part of the game when you after you meet the first mad Spaniard in the house that you blow his head off um, and you end up just walking down sort of it's quite light outside while you're walking down it's not dingy you're not in a forest you're not in a mansion it's a lovely day you're in the middle of a forest just walking through with your gun you get to a village open the gates walk in they're burning a man at the stake which fair enough and everything just ramps up, like, ridiculously fast. So you get mobbed by these mad Spaniards with hatchets and sickles in their hands, and you're running away trying to shoot them all, and you're used to shum- uh, shambling grotesque horrors from the other Resident Evils. And then you lock yourself in a house, and one bloke decides to turn up dressed as a potato, bag on his head, and a massive chainsaw breaks into the house and you're used to being able to sort of at least floor the enemy or knock him back a little bit with a shotgun blast. Shotgun blasts affect this guy about as much as a flick to the knee. 
and he promptly ch- chainsaws your head off. And that's your introduction to Resident Evil 4. That's about the first 10 minutes of the game. And it doesn't get any easier from there. There's a lot of points where you think you're safe or you think everything's quiet and then all of a sudden you will be swarmed by dozens of villagers, some throwing uh, explosives from afar, some of them coming at you with axes, like you said, some just bare hands, chainsaw blokes, a guy with a sheep's head and a big hammer. There's no limit of enemies in that game and different ones. And a lot of the a lot of them are bullet sponges. Even the most basic of enemies, some of them can take six, seven shots to down them. And you don't get a lot of ammo in this game. So you're constantly trying to preserve it and thinking, can I run through this? Or if I run through it, am I then going to have to come back and there's going to be a, a swarm of them that I can't get past? And it is a very tense game because you never know what to expect the next place that you go and we'll try and keep it light on spoilers because the new game is out and a lot of people will want to play through the new game and not want everything ruined but i don't think we've ruined anything so far because like eddie said this is the first two minutes of the game and you're introduced to all this stuff and it only goes up from there in terms of bizarreness and difficulty but it's very forgiving on when you die you go to the last auto save point so you very rarely lose much progress, and then you can strategize a bit better. So it is lenient in that way. But there are some parts of the game you will be doing three or four times over just to figure out the best place to go and hide or the best way to create a choke point so you can pick them off as they come through. But again, it's something I always enjoy doing, and the AI on the enemies is incredibly good. They'll sneak up behind you. They'll find alternative ways to get to you. They won't all just run at you head on. They'll go around the back of a building and you'll not be expecting them to be behind you, or they'll launch some dynamite at you and then run away so you can't tell where where it's come from. But they're not particularly caring of the other villages are they so they'll they'll launch a, a stick of dynamite into a crowd and it'll take out half of the other villagers but as long as they get you they're not bothered and i really like that because a lot of games there isn't friendly fire is there between bad guys or enemies in the game whereas this one if there's a stick of dynamite there it will blow up everybody that's around it and i, and I like that aspect because sometimes you can use it to your advantage and run into the crowd of people just as they throw it and then that saves you a job and saves you a load of ammo yeah, um, even the same with the chainsaw men. So, because once once you've inflicted enough damage on them, they sort of go a little bit berserk and just start swinging the chainsaw around. And if they're in the middle of a group of people, the people round them take the damage as well. They don't get their heads heads chainsawed off, but they do take more damage from the chainsaw dude. Um, and I think I think Resi Four moves away from your traditional horror, so it's not creeping down dank hallways, wondering when the next jump scare is going to happen, although there are a couple of jump scares in the game. But it still keeps you really tense. And it uses downtime between mobs quite well, because it sort of lulls you into that false sense of security of, oh, right, thank God that's over with. And you walk around a corner and someone lobs dynamite at you. So you can have just fought off 20 people without taking any damage, feel like king of the world, walk around a corner and someone will blow your legs off. Um, <laughs> so it does use it quite well. It's a different type of horror, isn't it? Like you say, there's not as many jump scares and it's not as tense in terms of the the creepiness of the atmosphere. But it's... I know Resident Evil 1 and 2 had, it, had the ammo limitations and that kind of thing, but this one really takes that to another level. If you don't have any bullets, you've got a combat knife and that's it. 
And if 20 of them swarm you, you're not getting out of that area with just a combat knife. So it's the the worry that you're not going to have enough ammo or weaponry to fight off what's coming that sets the tension in this one. And even more so in the remake, because now your knife can break as well. So you, there is a scenario where you can be absolutely defenseless, because the knife breaks, you can still use it, but it doesn't do any damage whatsoever. So you can still swing it around, and you can't parry or anything like that. So yeah, it's... That's where this game brings the the tense on edge feel from. In that you feel a little bit more helpless than you did in the old games. You still had the ammo limitations there, but not to this extent. You always had a couple of bullets, didn't you? And because the zombies were so slow, you could just nudge them out of the way and run past them. It was only when you encountered a liquor or one of the bosses or something that you really needed ammo to get through that stage so that's where i think it differs again but not in a bad way just a different way it is a completely different game to the first three and it's the way that the series has gone since then until seven i would say i mean it went even more towards the action rather than the horror in five and six and you still get the the grotesque abominations and the horrible transformation scenes where an eye bursts out of someone's shoulder and the their arm goes all hideous and, and massive with claws on and that kind of thing. But it's not traditional horror, like you said. You've not got that traditional creeping around a mansion, creaks going on around you and, and you're sort of waiting for the next thing to burst out. It's more a run in here and see what happens and see if I can actually survive it. Yeah, and it really does lean into the body horror side of things. Because, yeah, you've, you've got stuff like in Resident Evil 2 with William Birkin with the huge eye on his shoulder and the massive claw for a hand and stuff like that. But this game really leans into it. They're, they're on a par with like the Necromorphs from Dead Space with the hideous parasites bursting out of them. Um, and they're all spindly. They've got eyes. Some of them have got huge tentacles with like bone blades attached to the end of them. Some of them are all spindly spider things that crawl out of them. Some look like a sarlacc that burst out of the head, and it's just a massive gaping maw of teeth coming at you. So yeah, it really does lean into that um, the entire game, really. I mean, most of the bosses are sort of really grotesque abominations, more so than in any other Resident Evil game. And I think they kind of took this sort of that sort of aspect of Resident Evil and they really leaned into it again with Resident Evil 7 because some of those are particularly grim as well um the lady who vomits wasps for mm. example the the crazy old lady um but yeah it's it's a horror game but not your traditional horror and fans of 1 2 and 3 will be glad to know that they keep the quirky writing shall we call it uh, and the the B movie feel that I think a lot of people really love from the, the earlier games, they've kept them in four, and they've even kept them in the remake, which I was surprised at when we started playing the remake. I thought they're going to have rewritten a lot of this to make it a bit more serious, but no, they've left it all in there, haven't they? Which is a real nice touch. I think it's a good thing to do that because it's what a lot of people remember it for. Yeah, he's Leon in this is no longer the rookie cop from Resident Evil 2, Green as Grass and all that. He's he's like a smirking secret agent who's always got a one-liner. He's he's essentially the American version of James Bond. He'll he'll there's a part in the game where you kick over an oil barrel against an a boss 
and um, he just turns around, cocks his gun, says hasta luego, and blows the barrel up. So it's all very action hero films, that sort of thing, but with the twist of Resident Evil attached to it. So in terms, I don't want to say too much about the original game because I know we're meant to cover it off, but I don't want to say too much about it and potentially ruin the remake for people that don't want to know what's happening. So I don't want to go too much into it other than to say that for the time, again, we've said this about things like Mass Effect and, and in Bioshock in previous episodes, it was, would you go as far as a masterpiece again? I know we use that term for Bioshock. I'd say given the limitations of the hardware it was on, I would say, yeah, it looks absolutely amazing. And they did a bang up job with it, not only making it look amazing, but making it play really well as well. I, I think it's testament to Resident Evil 4 that up until they started doing the remakes of Resident Evil. So they did the RE2 make and the RE3 make uh, two, three years ago. I think up until that point, Resident Evil 4 had been literally transferred between generations from the GameCube to modern day. So the last version of Resident Evil 4, the GameCube version anyway, had been ported all the way through until the PS4 and the Xbox One. And not much had been done with it. It graphics had been judged up a bit and there's only a, so much nicening you can do with something that's dirty brown but yeah it, it not much had changed the tank the tanky controls were still the same everything about it hadn't changed it was just better graphical quality so yeah i think that's quite a thing to say about something from 2005 that up until 3 years ago it was still getting transferred from console to console and people were still paying it and there was still an audience to buy it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. People still wanted it that many years later. Which brings us to the remake. I don't know your opinions on the remakes of 2 and 3. So one one's a different beast, isn't it? Because it's had its remakes that were separate to the revival of the past couple of years. The one remake that I played wasn't bad. It didn't do much different, but it played on a modern console, and that's all you really needed it to do. Like I say, there were remake, there were updates where they changed the controls if you wanted to use newer type controls. But other than that, they'd not changed an awful lot. It just looked a bit more polished. But then you got two and three, which were ground up rebuilt essentially using the engine from Seven, I assume. Yeah, it was the Resident... I think they called it the Resident Evil engine specifically because of that. But the two remakes good. It's faithful. It's it's solid. Um, and two did need it. Two and three kind of needed it because they were blocky. The graphics weren't great. They were, what, PS1 games originally. So you had all the blocky polygon uh, zombies trying to lurch at you, which were scary. Weirdly enough, looking back at the graphics now, you'd think, "How was this ever scary?" But it was, and the oh, yeah, zombie it was eating noise that sounds like you're crushing a cauliflower between your hands. But yeah, they needed it. They did need bring it into the twenty first century. Two was good. Three, they could have done so much better, and it it's telling that they released it a year after the two remake because I think it was just a rush job to cash in on Res Two remake. Is it like a quarter of the original game or something? There's not a lot of content and open areas to it, is there? They've made it a lot more linear and closed in. 
it's very linear. Um, there were sort of points in the the original game of Resi Three where you had choices to make. So you could, when you first encounter Nemesis outside the police station, you could choose to stay and fight, or you could choose to run inside the police station. There were other parts which affected the rest of the story. So if you jumped off a bridge to avoid Nemesis you got a different path through to the ending, whereas if you chose to stay and fight Nemesis, you had the risk of dying, but you could carry on with the path you were on and you may get loot. They've taken all that away and just made it a very linear experience, cut a load of boss battles out, and I think it's about... I think you can complete the game in four hours. There is an achievement for doing it in four. And I just find that bizarre when you look at that compared to resi 4 which we played for eight hours and we did the first four chapters of 16 which is just shows how disparate the two projects have been and we didn't double back or anything really we didn't waste any time in those eight hours did we it's not like we were dawdling about or we got all the treasures but we got them i would say fairly efficiently and it still took eight hours to get to chapter four I mean, I, th- I think we wasted about half an hour in the shooting gallery because <laughs> that, yeah. that is a delightful introduction uh, from uh, Resi's 4's perspective. Um, but yeah, no, we, we pretty much blasted through it. I mean, my aim was terrible. Um, repeatedly shooting either side of a zomb- uh, uh, Los Ganados head um, it was impressive. finally shooting him in the face. <laughs> I, was, I was impressed that I'm sure at one point you managed to miss him either side of his head seven times before you actually connected. And that was quite an achievement, really, because he was right in your face. I didn't yeah. think it was possible. But I can't talk because I'm terrible at first-person and third-person shooters anyway. So aiming is not my forte, so I didn't really have a base to put that argument on. But it was quite comical when he was just almost like that bit in the mask, you know, where they're all shooting him in the club and his legs keep going left and right and the bullets are flying past him. It was almost, it was reminiscent of that with this guy diving left and right to get out of the way of your bullets. But no, I had a really good time playing it. And part of it was because we haven't seen each other for so long in person. It was just nice to actually get together and play a game and just relax and not have to worry about anything for a few hours. But also it was... It's faithful to the original, but different at the same time. And I know that sounds like a contrasting opinion, but it it feels like Resident Evil 4, but it also feels like they've changed loads of it. Like even the beginning bit when you walk through the forest isn't the same. You find the guy in the cabin, which is the same, but then as soon as you come out, it's all different again until you get to the village. And then that bit's a bit more familiar, but then, you know what I mean? Every... every bit of it is like this feels familiar oh but then this bit's completely different the merchant isn't here when he should be and they've rejigged it and moved it all around and introduced more stuff so like there's there's just random dogs now aren't there that attack you which i don't think were in the original which really took us by surprise because we were just expecting to walk back into the village and next thing we were getting mauled. So there's bits like that that are nice. There's bits that I don't like as much, and I think you're probably with me on this. The biggest one is the durability thing on the knives. I don't get why companies keep doing this. I mean, unless it's just me, is that not the most hated bit of Breath of the Wild, the fact that all the weapons break? And yet somebody at Capcom went, oh, let's do that in our game now, when it wasn't a thing before. I think it's the most hated, one of the most hated aspects of any video game that's got it in it. It's it, it's absolutely hated in Dark Souls um, and those sorts of games, because they're hard enough anyway, but no will add weapon degradation to it as well. 
and Resident Evil 4, exactly the same. Ridiculously difficult game. And your one saving grace at some point is to be able to slash an enemy in the face, stun them, and then karate kick them in the stomach to get them away from you and do a bit of crowd control. And it breaks. And it, it, it's not even like the weapon durability is you get a, lot, a good amount of use out of it before it finally does break. We were sort of... Cause Stealth play is also available in Resident Evil 4 in in the remakes in some sections. So if the enemies are unaware of your presence, you can sneak around stabbing them all in the neck. But it used half the durability of your knife to do it. I was like, oh, why would I do this? I can just walk in with a shotgun and blow his top half off. Why would I resort to it? And it's not cheap to repair either, is it? It's not like, oh, you just buy it, find another knife and and craft them together or anything you have to get it repaired at the merchant every time it breaks and it's about four thousand and when you consider that some of the early guns upgrades are like only ten thousand and you're paying just under half of that just to fix your knife so you can stab two more before it breaks again and even when we upgraded the durability to full it wasn't we weren't getting a lot of use out of it, were we? And you can find other knives around the place. So there's kitchen knives and a smaller kitchen knife, I think was the two ones we found. And you can use them, but they degrade even quicker and they don't do as much damage. So you're constantly in this cycle of, I need to make sure I've got 4,000 to repair my knife next time I see the merchant so that I can actually stand a chance of defending myself. Because you, you, every time you get attacked at close range, you have to use the knife, don't you? Otherwise, you take a load of damage. So it is a, a really crucial bit of the game. And to put degradation on that, I just don't get why they've done it. I don't Unless it is literally because they've put too much money in it. So they need a way to artificially reduce the amount of money you get by having to constantly repair this blade but it just seems like a backwards choice to me to do that and the other thing i noticed as well is that i think on the original you could just run up and boot people couldn't you if you were close enough you could do like a roundhouse kick without them being stunned is that right whereas on the new one they have to be stunned before you can do it and it tends to only affect the one person you're hitting whereas on the old one you could clear out a crowd couldn't you with a good kick yeah um you did used to have to dagger them i think but it was more impactful like you say it was better at crowd control than it is now so you run up and roundhouse kick a bloke and two people may sort of take a step back but they won't stagger Hmm. um whereas you could literally clear out a room of people by just roundhouse kicking one bloke staggering the other two and doing the same to them and get a little conga line going of staggered enemies that you could either suplex or roundhouse kick whereas this time it's one and done so yeah, that's another thing that I think is there. It felt to me like it was to get you to use more ammo or to use your knife a bit more to, again, sort of inflate the difficulty when it doesn't need that in any way, shape or form because you've got two two villagers back. There's a bloke with a big chainsaw that's ready to cleft your head off as soon as he gets near you. So I, again, another strange change that they did. But other than those two, I can't think of many other things in it that I didn't like. So the shooting gallery, I love that aspect of it. For those who haven't played the original, you get an attaché case to store all the things you pick up in. Yes, it's got elements of inventory management, which again, not something everyone loves. I've never been a fan of it. But it does sort of make sense because you've got this case and if you want to get another gun, you can't just carry every gun around with you. You've got to make the choice of banking one in one of the safes and 
using that space wisely and you can't just pick up every single thing you find and because it fills your case up you need specific space slots for certain guns so i think the rocket launcher is the full length of the case isn't it on two rows so you need to have that much space free otherwise you just can't pick it up so that was in the first game and that was fine you can make it bigger and that kind of thing but in the remake not only can you make it bigger but you can change the color of it and you can add trinkets to it and they do certain things, so depending on which ones you get. So we got a different type of briefcase. I can't remember what that did. Was it something to do with the healing? It gave me the ability to sell health items back at 100% of the value of what they were worth. So whatever I bought them at, I could sell them back, whereas if you didn't have that case... I think that was the stag beetle, wasn't it? Yeah. That was one of the oh, trinkets. Oh, yeah, sorry. It increased my healing by 10%. Okay, so yeah, there's that can do that. And then there's a shooting gallery, which is completely new. You go down in this lift and it's like a nice little study. And then for some reason, pirate themed. I don't know if that's a quip towards the fact that Merchant used to sound like a pirate in the original game and they've, they've run with that. But you get this pirate shooting gallery and there's certain things that you have to do. So clear 1,000 points, clear 2,000, clear 5,000, clear 7,000. Some of the... Enemies have little coins on them in specific places, so over the face or on the stomach, and you have to hit all those coins to get another one of the objectives ticked off. There's a guy that will pop up at the end of it holding a stick of dynamite, and if you shoot the dynamite out of his hand, it triggers a bonus round and you can earn loads more points and all that kind of thing. And your reward for hitting these goals is a coin. So you can get silver coins and gold coins. And in the little lobby area, there's a gacha machine. So they've introduced gacha balls, which some games really good, some games not appreciated. I think uh, the Minish Cap, I don't know if you've ever seen, just to go off on a tangent, the gacha machine in the Minish Cap, if you want all the things in that, it will literally take you about 18 hours, I think it is, somebody recorded it, because you just have to keep buying them and hoping that you get a rare one or spending enough of the currency to get a rare one. But then there isn't enough currency in the game to do that, so you sort of have to take a gamble. And I think it's one of the few things where you can just not get it, isn't it, in a Zelda game? If you spend those resources badly, you can not be able to complete that mission and, and not 100% the game. So yeah, Gachapon Machine's not always well received, but this one is quite good because you put three coins in it, and depending on the rarity of the coins, you get a trinket. These trinkets can attach to the attaché case, and they have perk so like eddie said we got a really rare one that let us sell all the health items back to the shop at full price which doesn't sound amazing because you think well you're buying them at that price you're selling them back what's the benefit of it but then we found that if you went fishing just outside where the merchant stand is some of the fish were worth five thousand so you can very quickly farm money by going and catching a few of those fish and selling them at full price whereas if we didn't have that trinket i think we'd be getting one two or maybe 2,000 for them. So it makes a big difference. So you can attach up to three. And we got that one. We got one where your healing items work a bit better. I can't remember what the third one did. It was something to do with ammo, I think. Oh, was it like the crafting? You could, you got extra yeah, you things got, when you crafted. You got an extra 10% of your ammo when crafted. So there's things like that. And I assume it didn't make it explicitly clear how many trinkets are in it. But I'm guessing there's quite a few. 
that you can mix and match and, and try and get rarer ones and you can sell them back to the shop if you don't like them. But the only thing was the shooting gallery seemed a bit limited because once you got these achievements, you don't get them again. So if you get the silver coin for 5,000 points, then you go and get 5,000 points again. You don't get another silver coin. You only get them for the first time you do it. So it looks like there's a limit on how many of those coins and probably trinkets you can get. But I'm wondering if later in the game they might introduce another shooting gallery somewhere else because, as I say, we'd only done three, four chapters. So it could be there's more shooting galleries with bigger challenges because the one we did was just pistols and rifles wasn't it so there's a good chance there'll be more of that further down the line but that was a really welcome addition especially because we'd just gone through quite a tense bit of the game when we found it and it's like oh this is nice we can just do this for 20 minutes and and i'm a sucker for a shooting gallery anyway in zelda that one as as horrible as it is where you have to shoot the rupees in uh, ocarina i've played that for hours just to try and get the highest score and stuff on it so I'm always taken in by those, and this one was really fun. I could see that being a nice way to waste quite a lot of time. Like you said, we probably spent half an hour in there, and we could have been cracking on. But it was worth it because we got some good trinkets, so that's a nice addition. Was there anything else that you've spotted? Because you've been playing it since since I left, haven't you? Is there anything else that you've noticed that's that's appreciated more in this version? They've truncated certain parts of the game, so bits of the game that were really tedious particularly after rescuing ashley spoiler alert you do rescue her about a couple of hours into the game you do find her and rescue her it doesn't hold she does get kidnapped again so it's not that much of a spoiler you do have to go and rescue her again but yeah there are certain bits in that i I hate escort quests they are the were one of the worst things in video games having a useless character alongside you that can't do anything other than get in the way and Ashley really does get in the way this time she actively gets in the way she like actively jumped in the way of bullets yeah. I noticed when we were playing it she was always there whenever you and there's even a thing where you can tell her to go and hide and it didn't even make a difference did it because she went and hid in front of all the people that were coming towards us so then you had to try and shoot around them yeah, and they've taken her health bar away this time. So previously, Ashley had her own sort of health bar along with yours that you could use yellow herbs and increase her health as well. So it, it worked alongside you. Now she doesn't have a health bar. Lovely. Fantastic. However, you can kill her with one shot. So when enemies pick her up and put them on her their back and start carrying her away, if you've got a, a, a weapon that's got piercing and you shoot the enemy... It kills Ashley, and it does it a lot, and she gets kidnapped a lot. <laughs> I know we killed her with a grenade, didn't we? Early yeah, because she insisted on crouching in front of a group of enemies. So we said hide. She then went, oh, okay, I'll hide right here in front of this group of enemies that you've just thrown a grenade at, and proceeded to kill her. We didn't even know what happened, though, did we? Because it just came up and said mission failed, and we were like, what? What's gone on there? And then, yeah, we realised that she'd been blown to bits because she'd hidden in the middle of a courtyard in front of a load of enemies. So I'm not, when I eventually do play through it, I'm not looking forward to that because I'm the same as you. I don't like escort missions. The one that always springs to mind, well, there's a few. The ones that always spring to mind are the ones from Goldeneye because she was the same. What was she called, Natalia, was it? Yeah. She was always just stood where you needed to shoot. And they never shot her, they always shot you. 
but then if you tried to shoot them, it was always her that was getting hit. And then on the same vein, in Perfect Dark, there was that flying laptop thing that just gets in the way of everything. And then an alien, I think, later in the game. Elvis. A little, Elvis yeah, the alien. Wisecracking alien that just stands there and gets shot as well. So I, d- I don't know. There, there must be some sadists out there that enjoy fe- the escort missions, but I can't think of a single one I've ever liked. No. But in terms of stuff they've they've either kept or they've added, I mean, the merchant still being in it is fantastic. So the merchant with the pirate voice is back, except for he's now Cheeky Cockney merchant, which is really weird seeing as everyone else now speaks. Apparently all the enemies now speak Castellan Spanish. Okay. Rather than Mexican Spanish, so they have actually upped their game and they now speak proper Spanish. Still use Pesetas, weirdly enough. But it is set in... 2004 I think the game is set so sort of understandable it was really jarring when we were playing it and he picks up that flip phone and I was like why is that not an iPhone now and then we were like oh actually because it's still set in in like where flip phone bright pink flip phones were every girl's dream phone I suppose even the president's daughter yeah um, the, the the weapons have got some nice kick to them and the gore effects are fantastic. So you'll be walking along and you'll be like, oh, excuse me, Mr. Shambling Spaniard, what's that on your face? Blam! Oh, it's the midsection of the woman that was stood next to you. <laughs> so, it, But the gore effects are delightful. The, the shotgun in particular can literally take enemies in half, and you see all the parasites still twitching inside them so they've done some really good work with it and yeah it, it it's a really good remake I, I have enjoyed playing it i think they've taken away the limb damage a little bit though haven't they we noticed because in the original you could hit them in the leg and it would stagger them straight away whereas on this one they just keep walking towards you as if nothing's happened so i don't know if they've changed that because before you were able to to an extent target limbs but on this one it feels like it's head separate body and legs and arms are all the same and then if they've got something in the hand i mean that was my favorite bit of the game i could have sat and watched that all all night when um one of them was launching dynamite at us and you just picked it off in his hand and it just blew everyone up around him including him that was my favorite bit and when that happened it was there was a little smile on my face every time it happened so i really appreciated that one but i think it's a great remake i didn't play much of it because i just sat and watched which was fine it's such a an interesting game that you can sit and watch somebody else play it and get almost as much out of it as they do and that's what i did for most of the time because like i said earlier on i'm terrible at first and third person shooters so i want to sit and play it on my own when no one's watching and laughing at me um and i think that's pretty much all we can say about it really without sort of lurching over the line into spoilerville which i don't like you say i don't really want to do because even if you've played the first iteration of it, that there's bits in it that'll be new to you. And for people that have never played Resident Evil 4, you're in for an absolute treat. So I think I think we need to give it a give it a grade. So yeah, shall we rate the original? Because that's the one in the book. And then just for fun we'll give the remake a rating as well, even though it won't go anywhere. Just to update people, should have done this at the beginning really. We've changed the grading system. So when we first started, we were grading everything out of 10. And then we realised how restrictive that actually probably is. 
to do it out of 10 because we were giving some games the same score as each other when in actual fact we think there probably is a bit of a distinction between them. So we've updated all the ratings we've given previously to be out of 100 instead of out of 10. I won't go through them all now, but if you check our our website, blg.transistor.fm, there is a page on there that gives you all the games we've rated so far and what score we've given them and what position they currently sit. So you can see what scores we've given on there. There's also a link to our Patreon, wink wink, if you want to go and go and have a look at that. And there's also a link to our Redbubble shop on there if you want to buy a t-shirt with a saucy ditto on it or our faces or in any other thousands of pieces of merchandise that they are willing to put our face on at the minute. You can go there and buy that as well. We do get a little cut of it, which will help towards keeping the podcast going. And I've personally ordered a couple of bits of it and the quality on it is amazing. I got a hoodie. And I wasn't expecting the quality to be anywhere near as good as it is when it's arrived. So please go and check that out if you do want some merch. And I'll stop plugging things now and we'll get back to it. But yeah, we're going to rate things from a, out of 100 now because it just gives us that little bit more um, differentiation between some titles that, that otherwise we would be giving the same score. And I didn't think that was fair. So out of 100, uh, to, to give a little marker of, of where we are, I think we gave Bioshock a 79. When we upgraded the scores, okay, I I would probably say either seventy, uh, sorry, eighty-seven or eighty-eight out of a hundred for Resi Four, because I played it to death. Okay, yeah, when I, mean... I had the GameCube version, and I'd say it was more influential than Bioshock. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent, and I played it a lot more than Bioshock for certain. So the top of our list at the minute is Majora's Mask, and that's got an eighty-eight. So are you saying you rate this more than your favourite game of all time? Okay, I wish to previously redact my statement. Um, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll go with 86, 87. Because it's up there. Yeah. It is up there. I'll go with 86, yeah. It's... Oh, I don't know. Do I want to go 87? It is a brilliant game, and Resident Evil is one of my favourite series as it is. And I've got that nostalgia for it because we... I didn't have a job and I didn't have anything to worry about and I could just sit and play that for hours and enjoy it and I've played through it multiple times. I'd be tempted to go 88. Put it on a par with Majora. Or we bump Majora up one. In all fairness, Majora, as we said at the time, was is an acquired taste. It's not and for And it's everybody. not perfect, yeah. And it's not perfect, whereas I think this is... It's more borderline perfection in terms of a, an overall video game experience, and it's likely to appeal to more people than Majora will. Yeah. So I, I will happily go with 87, 88. Let's go 88 and put it on... It's not overtaken Majora, but they're both up there. I mean, for me, looking at the rest of the 100, and I'm not chucking any spoilers out there, I don't know if there's a game in there that's going to better it for me, but then I haven't played them all. So maybe there's one in there that I'll play. So I I posted on, on Facebook earlier in the week, I went to a game shop in York and I managed to pick up a copy of Shenmue because I've never played it. Now, I know your face there, I've just seen, you don't think that's going to be up there at an 88, which I don't think it will either, to be fair. But there are a lot of games on this list we've not played at all. So I'm not willing to go out out there and say I think Resident Evil 4 is my number one out of this list because there might be some in there that I end up liking more. But I think it needs to be up there for me. So you've you've got your Majora on 88. 
I'll have my Resident Evil 4 and 88, and uh, and we'll call it there, I think. So yeah, in terms sounds, of the in terms of the remake, are you putting it higher or lower or on par? I'd put it lower, controversially, because it's not as groundbreaking as four was. Because it cannot be overstated how much of an impact Resident Evil four had and how much of a difference it made, not just to the Resident Evil series, but for gaming as a whole at the time and from then on. Um, this is just it's cashing in on the Resident Evil 2 and Resident Evil 3 remakes, which fair enough. Is it a worthy thing to to have a remake of? Yeah, it, it probably did need sort of bringing up to date with more modern sensibilities and things like that. And it's a very true to the original remake, despite the changes they've made and the quality of life improvements. But it's just not as jaw-droppingly oh my god have you seen this game it may be for some people this this may be their resident evil 4 all over again because it's the first time they've ever played anything like it yeah uh which fair enough but we have we've played other I stuff think like it we've we've got to point out again and i know we've pointed out a few times this is our score it's not what we think everyone else should think of it. This is purely based on our personal experiences and our personal tastes. And for us, the original Resident Evil 4 is always going to have a more important part in our life than this remake will because of where we are in our lives and because it's not new to us and and all that kind of thing. We know we're playing it and we think it's beautiful and we really enjoy it, but we know what to expect. We know what's coming. It's not going to surprise us. Whereas when we played that original one, it looked stunning. We couldn't almost believe that a GameCube game could look that good. The twists, the turns were all there. The gameplay was new to us and and that kind of thing. So when we do these scores, much like the fact we gave Tetris and Pac-Man incredibly low scores, even though we know they're groundbreaking to the industry, it's our opinion and our experience of them. And for me, I can't get much enjoyment out of Pac-Man, even though I know it's important. Same with Resident Evil. I won't get as much out of the remake, as beautiful as it is and as fun as it is to play, as I did back then getting out of the original one. And that's why I think we've got to to score it higher. And that's the reason we have. Um, so I'd probably give it like an 83, 84, the remake. Yeah, easily. Um, it's well worth buying, especially if you haven't paid the, played the original. Then, like you said, if you never played the original, you probably put this up there, right up there, in the nineties. But because we've got that nostalgia for the original, it just isn't as important to us, I suppose. I think even if you've never played another Resident Evil game before, the story is so far removed from the rest of the air quotes Resident Evil mythos because dear god that's convoluted backstory it's sort of in and of itself in a little bubble you don't need to have known what they've gone through the characters have gone through previously it's not zombie epidemic it's not it doesn't really bring in many characters from outside of other um, issues within the series Um, so you can just enjoy it as a standalone experience so if you've never played Resident Evil Give this one a go because it's sort of at the minute it's like the it's the peak Resident Evil experience. 
Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. I think the only person that might confuse somebody who's never played another game is when, well, this isn't a spoiler because it's, but like a character from Resident Evil Two shows up uh, fairly early on in the game that you won't recognise unless you've played it. But I don't think it's crucial you do know who that is anyway. So you'll still get plenty of enjoyment out of it, and it is a passing. It's almost like a sub-sub-sub-sub-story, isn't it? They've just put it in there almost to tie it back to the other games more than to be a thing in this one. So, yeah, you you don't, like Eddie says, you don't need to have played the others, and I think you'll get so much out of this game. I'd 100% recommend anyone go out and buy it now because it's, like we said earlier as well, it's not a four-hour game either for your 40, 50 quid. You're gonna get a lot out of this, and I don't know if it, anything unlocks. I've not, I've tried not to read anything up on the internet, but I don't know if anything unlocks when you finish it, and you maybe get a harder mode or a not a scenario B as such, but whether there's some some more gameplay to it afterwards. And did they do DLC for the original one? It was a bit too early, wasn't it? I don't know if they've done it on any of the remakes or the remasters. You got mercenaries mode. It was the first. It was right. it yeah. carried over from the original Resident Evil series, where you got like a little. Um, it was sort of like a side quest thing that was. It was a separate game mode, and you played as a character, and it was sort of survival. So you got a time limit, and you had endlessly spawning enemies, and you could break crates to get ammunition or get time extensions, and you increased your score over time by killing them in innovative ways. Um, and from that, you could you got coins, which you could then buy infinite ammo weapons for the main game. So you could go back through with like a magnum with infinite ammo. So it, there right. was that level of replayability. And I don't know whether they included that with a remake. I haven't looked because I don't want to spoil no. it. But it's not exactly. broadcast front and center when you load the game up. So we'll we'll come back to that when one of us finishes it and let you know whether there is. Um, so before we sign off, one tip for anyone playing the new game, what would your tip be? A little one-liner. I know what mine's going to be. Be better at aiming than I am. Um... <laughs> I would say look out for bear traps would be my number one tip. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to... You could potentially start me down a path here because the sodden <laughs> bear traps. But yes, be spatially aware. I think that is key in this game because enemies will flank you and they will creep up behind you and grab you while there's a bloke with a machete and a chainsaw bearing down upon you. So spatial awareness is key. I think I think that's the best we can do, really. Perfect. Well, I think we'd better call it there because we've... I know I say it every episode, but we've run over. <laughs> so we will call it there. And until the next episode, which we haven't decided what we're doing yet, that's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me.